came to pass that Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began, as they went, to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need? Was he hungry, he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abijah the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with them. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and there was a man there with a withered hand. And they watched him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Stand forth. Now he said to them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful to save life or to kill life? And they held their peace. They didn't say a word. The Lord Jesus looked upon them with anger, grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. And he turned around and healed the man. The Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior Now gives two episodes about Jesus demonstrating that he is Lord of the Sabbath. In the first, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees as to why Jesus' disciples were doing what they considered to be unlawful on the Sabbath. The disciples were viewed as doing work on the Sabbath by plucking the grains of wheat and eating them. But Jesus declared that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus, therefore, the Son of Man, is Lord of the Sabbath. The second episode also shows Jesus on the Sabbath healing a man. And here the religious rulers were waiting to accuse the Lord of a violation of healing a man on the Sabbath. Well, Jesus didn't disappoint. He healed a man's hand. Well, this gave rise for the enemies, two of them, to collude against Jesus. Here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you. And isn't it wonderful that you and I can spend a little time each day just talking about our precious Savior as found in the Word of God? <clears throat> and I just trust that you'll be praying for us as we seek to communicate the precious truth to hungry hearts. And I trust your heart is hungry. Possibly, possibly some of you are going through times of test and of trial, sorrow, May I remind you that the Lord never leaves you. If you love the Savior, he's promised to care for you. You know that? And oftentimes our weaknesses and failures and tests and afflictions of life are just an open door for the Lord to demonstrate his power and to manifest his presence to your own heart. 
I could not but think of the lesson we had here a few days ago. If the man sick of the palsy brought by four of his friends, if he hadn't been sick, he would never have met the Savior. He would never have felt the healing power of God. He would never have had the joy of sins forgiven. And sometimes the Lord permits certain things to come into our lives because He loves us, not because He hates us, not because He's indifferent to us, but because He loves us. He's working out something for His glory, for your good and for my good. I just suggest that because in some of the letters that I have received of late, I realize quite a few are going through some very, very deep waters. I know how glad I am that the Lord Jesus is the one who's caring for you, and he has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. And remember, he's always present, and you are the object of his care. You say, Mr. Mitchell, you don't know me. I don't need to know you. He knows you. He knows you. He knows all about you. He knows your frailty. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the desires of your heart. And he's there to meet your need. He's the all-sufficient Savior. Now, when we come to Mark chapter 2, starting in at verse 23 and running through chapter 3, verse 6, we have two instances of the Sabbath day, two Sabbath days. And we have what our Lord is becomes the object of the enmity and and hatred, shall I say, of the leading religionists of the day, the Pharisees and the scribes. Allow me to read the first one. It came to pass that Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began, as they went, to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, have you never read what David did when he had need? Was he hungry? He and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiah the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with them. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is, is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, let me just stop this first one. When you come to the third chapter, it begins in the first few verses, six or seven verses, with another instance of the Sabbath day when he went into the synagogue. Let me take up the first one first. Here you have the opposition of legalism. It might be well for me to, to, to give, first of all, this thought these people, these Jewish people, these Pharisees, were sticklers for doing the thing that the law said they should do. They were the conservative theologians of the day. And if one had the background that they had and lived the way they had lived, you can understand how they opposed the Savior. Because what he did was a, was, was a wreckage to what they considered was the right thing to do. Remember that the Sabbath day, if I may be allowed to go back, the Sabbath day was given in the book of Genesis when the Lord rested from all his works. You remember that? And he hallowed the Sabbath day. Then the Sabbath day is not mentioned until you come to chapter 16 of Exodus where the people of Israel were hungry and the Lord fed them with manna from heaven. 
And then they were told that on the sixth day they must gather enough for two days, because the seventh day was to be a, a day of rest before the Lord. Now you remember that even though he had told them that, many were disobedient, and they went out on the seventh day to gather manna, and there was none there. Uh, it's a sad situation. In fact, the time came when they loathed, as they said, they loathed this light food. No appreciation of the provision which God had made for them. Why didn't God judge them? After the law was given, and I quote from the book of Numbers, after the law was given, a man went out and gathered sticks on the Sabbath day. What is the difference between gathering sticks on the Sabbath day and gathering manna on the seventh day? Openly no difference except one fact. In Exodus 16, the day was given to them as a gift. I have given you this day as a day of rest, a day for meditation, a day for worship, a day when you will give it entirely over to me. See? Whereas when you come to the, to the seventh day under the law of Moses, the Sabbath day, it became a law. And becoming a law, there was a corresponding penalty. Now, you'll notice that in Exodus chapter 31, where Moses, where God said to Moses, I have given you this day, the Sabbath day, as a sign between me and the people of Israel. And may I just add here, down through the centuries, right down to the present day, right down to this present day, Nearly, nearly, shall I say, 3,500 years after the law was given, wherever Jews went, they kept the Sabbath day. They were marked out as being a separate people from the Gentile world. Even here in America, you find them going to their synagogues on the Sabbath day. It marks them from going, it marks them out from the Gentile world. Even here in Portland, for example, they go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And we worship the Lord on the Lord's day. The Sabbath day was made for man. The Lord's day was made for the Lord. See, the Sabbath day was a day of rest. It was especially a sign to the people of Israel of a covenant between them and God. And so they were very proud of the fact that they were God's people, even though oftentimes they broke the Sabbath. And time would fail me to go into Isaiah and Jeremiah concerning this matter. But suffice for me to say at the present time, when our Savior came along with his disciples, they went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples just stepped to one side and took some corn and ate it. Pharisees objected to it, said, you're breaking the Sabbath. Why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? They were hungry, and he fed them. Now, let me just suggest this. The Sabbath day was made for man. The value of the Sabbath is in its service to man. It was to be a blessing to man, not a burden. Now, these, these disciples were very hungry. Now, they weren't harvesting the corn. They weren't taking the corn out to sell it. They were meeting their physical need. Certainly, when one is meeting, their physical need doesn't cause that one to break the Sabbath. 
And Jesus upheld his disciples on this. Then he did something very sweet. You know what he did? He put his disciples in the same category as David. And if there was any man that the Jews loved, it was David. They boasted about being the children of Abraham, who was the friend of God. They boasted about Moses, who was the servant of God. And they also boasted about David, who was God's king. Now, one day David was hungry. And by the way, the Lord manifested the fact that he knew the Scriptures. And he could take from the Scriptures that which would be applicable to the present problem. This the Pharisees couldn't do. His disciples were hungry. And he said, One day David was hungry. What did he do? He went into the, into the temple and into the tabernacle and took the, the bread, which was not lawful for him to eat. The show bread was entirely for the priests. It's not unlawful for a Jew to go into the holy place and take the show bread and eat it. But David did. He went in and he got, he got bread for himself and for his men. They did by faith. You see, it's so easy to push truth beyond the intent of the Spirit of God. This is what they were doing. The Sabbath was made for man. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Hence, enjoy Him. It's made for our good. Now, I'm not going to argue the fact, is our Saturday the Sabbath? Do we keep the Sabbath day or the Lord's day? My friend, I, I question whether God wants us to be legalistic about it. If you feel that you can worship God more on the seventh day, that's where you think you ought to worship God, you do it. If you feel you should take the first day of the week, the Lord's day, and want to worship, then do it. But be sure you're worshiping the Lord. You see, the Sabbath day was the remembrance of a finished creation. The Lord's day is the remembrance of a finished redemption. And I repeat it, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, for his good. It's good for a man to take one day and seven. Rest. It's good for him physically. It's good for him mentally. It's good for him spiritually to take one day out of seven and at least spend one day rejoicing in the Lord, worshiping the Lord. You see, well, Mr. Mitchell, I do it every day. I grant we should do it every day. But I'm speaking now of the Sabbath day. We ought to walk with the Lord seven days a week, every hour of the day, every minute of the day. I know that. I'm well aware of that. And the more you love the Savior, the more you want to walk with Him. You're not going to be sidetracked by a materialistic philosophy of life or a religious philosophy which does not make Christ the center of attraction. The Sabbath was made for man. And I repeat it, the Sabbath was a remembrance of a finished creation, the Lord's day, the remembrance of a finished redemption. And so we can take the time and magnify our Savior and worship Him. Why? Because the redemption He made on the cross is complete and perfectly satisfying to God. And that a man who accepts a Savior not only is redeemed from sin, but stands before God in all the righteousness of Christ. In other words, what I'm talking about is the perfection of his work at the cross, guaranteed by his resurrection. So the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, we remember a risen Savior to whom we have been joined, who has made all the provision for us to stand before God. And indeed, 
my Christian friend. Don't you take the Lord's Day if you, if you claim to believe that we ought to keep the Lord's Day. Then, my friend, you keep it. I, am, I, I believe in the Lord's Day. The problem was in the Lord's Day, they were going to one extreme. They wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do the other on the Lord's Day. They wouldn't even take care of their physical bodies if it meant taking a few ears of corn and eating them. I think we've gone the other extreme today where we take the Lord's Day and it's used like any other day. So we merchandise and work and everything else. All I'm getting at is, my friend, let's, let's if we're Christians, let's give our lives to the Savior. And when you go on the Lord's Day to meet with God's people, go as worshipers. Not like these Jews, as we shall see in chapter 3, when we take up the next question of the Lord's Day, or pardon me, of the Sabbath day. But I want this clear. Uh, it was made, the value of the Sabbath was in its service to man. It was to be a blessing and not a burden. And if David, by faith, could eat in the house of God, the showbread in the house of God, because he was hungry, then his disciples, said Jesus, could also take the corn on a Sabbath day and eat it because they were hungry. They were not breaking the Sabbath. See? And by the way, if I might add this little thought, Jesus knew the Scriptures and could answer them from their own Scriptures. Can you do that? How we need to know the Word of God so we can give a reason to any man who asks us about the hope we have. Wonderful thing. Now, in chapter 3, 1 to 6, we have the second case. And here the Lord heals on the Sabbath day. I want you to mark something. Jesus entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. He said to them, that is to these Jews, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch forth your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Whole is the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Now here's an amazing thing. I read here that he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and there was a man there with a withered hand. And they, I take it to be the Pharisees, they watched him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. Now, I might say this. They watched him. They knew that Jesus Christ would heal the man. In fact, I would say these Pharisees and scribes wanted Jesus to heal the man. Why? That they might accuse him of doing something on the Sabbath day. Now remember, they were in the synagogue. What should they be doing? They were supposed to be worshiping Jehovah. That's why you go to the synagogue. That's why you go to church to worship the Lord. Their hearts were not on the Lord. And you know, it might be possible, I'm not dogmatic on this, but it may be, that they 
brought this man into the synagogue with a withered hand for the purpose of seeing what Jesus would do. I think they tried to set a trap for Jesus. And Jesus, you know, looked upon him. It says here, his, he was filled with indignation. He said to the man with the withered hand, stand forth. Now he said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful to save life or to kill life? To do good or to do evil? And they held their peace. They didn't say a word. And I read that the, that the Lord Jesus looked upon them with anger. But notice, the anger was coupled with grief. There is an anger that is righteous. An anger because of sin. An anger because of the hardness of heart. An anger because of unbelief. And this grieved his heart. I want you to mind the coupling of these two. People say, well, Jesus was angry. All right, does that mean that you should be angry? Is your anger coupled with grief? Huh? Indignation coupled with grief? Why? Because of their heart condition. You know, friend, I wish I could put into words the way I feel about this too. Unbelief is the product of an evil heart. Unbelief, if persisted in, produces hardness. See? He was grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. And he turned around and healed the man. Let me just stop here a second. I talk to you, my friend. Don't continue in your unbelief. I quote from Hebrews chapter 3, somewhere on the 12th and 13th verses, where we, we read that unbelief is the product of an evil heart. Uh, unbelief persisted in produces hardness. Sad, isn't it? And this grieved the Savior. I wonder, my friend, if your life of unbelief is grieving the Lord Jesus. May I first of all say to any of you who are not Christians, you've never accepted the Savior, you know all about him, you've heard of his death and resurrection, you know the fact that he died for men, he died for you, yet you've closed your hearts from accepting him into your own life as Savior. Please let me inform you that unbelief persisted in leads to hardness, and unbelief is the product of an evil heart. Let me say to those of you who are Christians, and I speak to myself in this question, it's easy for us to believe we're saved. We're the children of God. But we don't grow because we don't believe what God says in his word. We pick what we want instead of believing what the Bible says. It's hard for us sometimes to let go of some things that we've claimed to have believed all our lifetime, and when we get into the Bible, we found they're not right. Hard to give it up, isn't it? Hard to believe because of circumstances, because of experiences, because of past things, or because of somebody else. I repeat to you, my friend, unbelief is the product of an evil heart. May God deliver you and me from unbelief. And may the Lord grant to you and me the joy and the blessing of believing whatever he says. And if you're going to be indignant with someone, God grant, it'll be coupled with grief because of the hardness of their hearts. 
only something of the sweetness and the tenderness of the Lord Jesus. And yet, and yet, the value of the Word of God be in our hearts day after day. And may the Lord bless you today for His name's sake. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. That's The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.